When I talk to property investors, they often tell me using debt is a key advantage over other asset classes. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rask. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rask Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rask AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Campbell. And today for our listener Q&A for July, I'm joined by my co-host, Owen Rask. Thank you, Kate, for having me. And I've got Drew Meredith, a financial advisor from Waddle Partners, who we hang out with here in the office. A little too much sometimes. Yeah. Good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> Good to have you back on the show. So we're opening up your questions and you can send us questions anytime during the month by hitting that link in the show notes and the podcast description. Yes, you can. And uh, we should add that uh, there's an extra disclaimer because we are answering questions. We have to be very mindful that uh, when you send us your information, we do, in effect, we generalize everything that you send us. So um, we have to do this because we don't know what your circumstances are, your goals, your objectives. For example, you might want to go whitewater rafting in Alaska. Uh, and We don't know that. So we simply do not know your objectives or your goals in life. Uh, that's what you need a financial planner for, like say Drew here or someone who is licensed that you can verify through ASIC. Uh, do not trust any advisor until you check that they do operate under an AFSL, Australian Financial Services License. You'll find more information about us in the Financial Services Guide uh, that's available on our website, as well as the Water Partners Financial Services Guide if you want to go there. Wonderful. Okay, well, uh, instead of a buy, hold, sell this month, because I didn't have any good ideas for that, I thought we could discuss oh, yeah. what we do in a fictional scenario where we got a $1,000 tax refund, because we're just, we've hit end of financial year, people are starting to think about doing their tax returns, and maybe people might be getting some money back. Yes. Last month, we did say chocolate should go in the fridge. <laughs> and, along with sauce. <laughs> and along with sauce. 
Although, no, some who disagreed with that? Someone, okay. I, I quit after that, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, welcome back. So, what are we going to do with our refunds, Kate? Yeah, so what are you going to do, Owen? I'd put it towards my boat fund. Um, <laughs> not the farm fund? Not the farm fund. No, I'm actually separating money out. Um, I started a new business on yep. the side, and uh, I'm using that to generate money to buy a boat. I can explain why, but that's that's it, yeah. Yeah. Like so a tinny? No, I'm buying like a expensive boat. <laughs> so you're to save your for a long time. New medium term financial goal, is it? And the farm's yeah. the long term one? Yes. But I can't use house money for the boat. So I have to find another way to uh, So I started a business. Okay. So so Can so, we ask what that business does? Yeah, yeah, sure. So it's a business coaching business. It's like wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been coaching some small businesses, um, micro-sized businesses, under 10 employees to grow online, to um, shaping up their financials, um, to grow e-commerce brands, uh, use marketing, grow podcasts, whatever. I do that on the side. So I nine to five is Rask. And then early morning before work, I do business coaching. And I'll tell you why it started, because of the boat, because I wasn't allowed to use house money to buy the boat, but also have this view that... Boats are very low utility. What I mean by that is they cost a lot of money, but you only use them for a very small amount of time. So if you think about it, the utility is incredibly low. Utility is just a fancy finance word, but yeah, it's incredibly low. So I took my part of our budget every month, our part of, we get our own little play money, use that to start a company in ASIC, <laughs> spun that up, got a website started for 50 bucks and have started to, to roll. And For some reason, this just sounds incredibly dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It's a mustache. I think it's a mustache. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, mustache. If, if you're watching in YouTube, you can see Owen's new facial attire. Yeah. Yeah, just keeping it real. So have you got any money in the boat fund yet? Thousand dollars. A couple grand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's happening. It's rolling along. Yeah. No, it is happening. Um, but the problem is I went for my boat license the other day and then they saw that I wore glasses and now I have to wear glasses everywhere I go, apparently, <laughs> according to Vic Rhodes. <laughs> so they, they cut up my other license. Oh, gosh. I they didn't have lenses. No, they, they're not just for show. I've got these straps too so they don't fall off my head when I'm on the boat. You see, I'm already preparing. Oh, gosh. All right. <laughs> so, All right. Well, you can let us know how you go with that boat fund. But what about you, Drew? What would you do with a $1,000 tax refund? Well, I usually just tell people to do the right thing, which is go and pay off debt. But in this case, I assume someone else would say that. Not, not you, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I think it's better time than ever to you know put some to work in the market, go buy an ETF and and start compounding. We know that the best time to start was yesterday or today. Yep. More so today. Uh, and if you've listened to the other podcast, I'm not a big fan of a pretty big fan of Fang at the moment. So buy well, a diversified I'm, ETF. Well, so like or, a Fang ETF or I, or IVV. So S and P five hundred, something highly diversified and compounding world's best businesses yeah put it to work yeah if cool. assuming you don't have you know always a disclaimer credit card debt all those kind of expensive wasteful forms of debt yeah we're assuming that you have got your house together exactly yeah and uh, read the pds consider if it's right for you global yeah. x is a sponsor of the australian finance podcast just insert that but that's a good idea yeah. like that great i kate. assumed kate would say pay yeah, and kate, come on. what <laughs> well, do you got for us thousand bucks what are you gonna do with it well i'm already investing and i'm already saving and mm. i think i'd buy a few things. So I just paid like very expensive Taylor Swift tickets. Uh, my sister sent me an expensive bill yesterday. <laughs> she so got them. She did. She did. There she about, had about seven computers in here on the same IP address. 
all trying to get Taylor Swift tickets at the same time. Yes, well, at at her work, she set it up on multiple people's computers. (laughs) So I said yes because it would be an experience with my sibling and it would create memories. You know, that's that's important. That's at the MCG, right? Yes. And last time she was here, she was at one of the other stadiums, Marvel, maybe? Probably Marvel. And so that would mean that she's basically doubled the size. Is it one night or two nights? No, she's just announced two new shows. There's at least three in Melbourne now and there's more in Sydney. So that's going to be bigger than Ed. Yeah, Ed. it's going to have more Sheeran. people, oh. but she's not going to as many, <laughs> many Big states. Big fan of Ed. But remember when Ed Sheeran, so for people, sorry I for people there. that aren't here in Melbourne. Yeah, but you were it there, so you're going to go to the two big ones. He did Amy Park. I remember going to Amy yeah, Park. I went to the Amy Park one. Yeah. But he was here Years for two ago. nights in a row, over 100,000 people. Yeah. I was trying to get out of the car park. Can you imagine? <laughs> anyway, that's great. Yeah. Spend so it. So spend it on a few things. I think it's I've got my finances on track this year. Everything's been set up, automated. It's happening. I, I'm happy with the progress I'm making. So yeah, I think I'd spend it on a few things. The it's other one's good on you. get out of Melbourne. It's freezing and raining at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Where's my third Shout one? Shout out to everyone else. <laughs> Um, Maybe that's go on a really weekend good. away somewhere. That's actually really good. That all three of us, you know what all three of us didn't do? We didn't say we're going to save it. Yeah. We said we're going to do something with it. Yeah. And a lot of people, when they listen to finance podcasts, they'll be like, save it. Or people around you will say, save it. We're saying, no, no, actually spend it, use it wisely, invest it. Yeah. I, my just big thing with your tax refund, if you do get money back at tax time, is just write a little note down about what you do with that money, whether it's paying off debt, spending, saving, investing. Because then over the years, you can look back and go, okay, this is what I did with that money. Mm. Because chances are at the study career, you'll probably get something back. And it's it's kind of cool to know where that money went over the years. Because I look back at my the tax returns I got when I was 18 and 19 and I was getting a bit of money back then and I have no idea what I did with it. Just went into general <laughs> revenue. So I think if you write <laughs> down and just to be intentional with the money is all we're saying really. Yeah. I think like maybe it. we're the ones creating inflation if we're telling everyone <laughs> yeah, to go, keep spending spend. rather than saving. So. Spend. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I like it. So we do obviously, all of us would say on the proviso that you've got your financial admin and your financial house in order. If you do have credit cards and those types of things, they may be more prudent ways to distribute your money yeah, or pay back debts and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Cool. Like it. Awesome. Well, when I had a look through our podcast inbox this month, I we do read everything that comes through is something I did want to point out. But we had a comment from last month's Q&A when we talked about investment bonds. And this came through from Lee the Noob. Uh, that was their chosen username. Yeah, I'm like just, uh, just repeating it. Okay. Um, but I just thought I'd mention this <laughs> Actually, comment. Kate just made that up. <laughs> and see what thoughts you guys had. So Lee said that I'd just like to draw attention to a statement you made about investment bonds, insurance bonds in brackets, on our recent Q&A podcast, you said that investment bonds are tax-free after 10 years. This is not actually correct, but rather they're tax-paid investments, a key distinction. So the effect here is that investment bonds are better for income-producing investments, but a poor option for growth-type investments. Also, another key benefit of insurance bonds is the asset protection and estate planning benefits, which are completely separate to the tax situation. So, Drew, I'm handing it over to you. What are your thoughts on this? Ooh. Yeah, I think it was. Um, I can't remember which one of us said it. I'll I'll say it was me. I'll say it was me. <laughs> it was probably me. But it, it's completely true. So it's a tax paid entity, like any kind of company sort of structure. It, it gets the benefit of the company tax rate, and the explanation there is perfect. Uh, it's become uh, a lot more. It's becoming of a lot more interest lately with the acceleration in changes to superannuation laws, uh, in particular. Um, you know the 
three million dollar cap, not a cap, yep. that is that is coming through. And basically, it's just another reasonably tax effective entity for people on higher incomes or people wanting to, you know, start savings accounts for for children um, without the tax implications, which we have that question all the time. Mm. But we caught up with Grant Hackett from Generation Life, which would be one of the biggest, well, I think, one of the top three uh, issuers of investment bonds. And there was quite a unique. Uh, fact or kind of learning even for us that came out of that, whereas they talk about the tax rate being about 25 to 30%. That's in the question here, the bit that we didn't read out. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. But the actual tax rate within some of these bonds can be as low as 12 or 13% because of the way they're able to manage and control the trading that occurs on the investments within them. So you may not see that in the, I guess, in the tax you're paying, but in the after-tax return being produced by that bond, it can be significantly, and it generally is significantly higher than the after-tax return if it was held by a managed fund, which mm. is kind of a less appreciated benefit of the structure. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's also worth noting that when we said, we may have said tax-free, what we meant is it's tax-free to bring it out. Yeah. Um, not necessarily that it, it always pays tax and in, in insurance bonds. So- The government doesn't let you get off You don't just get tax it, you're no easy. tax for, for the rest of your life. Um, so we probably simplified the language rather than, uh, we didn't mean to- like say that you aren't paying tax. It's just that it simplifies it because no one knows what tax paid means. And that assumes you don't take it out early. There's all kinds of restrictions around that tax paid status as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. If you take it out before seven, eight, nine years, 10 years, you're going to be, you, there will be basically a price to pay. Yeah. Mm. Yep. And you can have different things inside that investment bond. Absolutely. That's why people use them. So just for those that didn't like take a part last month, you, but yeah, you basically just, your money is committed into this thing, which is its own entity basically it's called a bond it's they existed before superannuation and um they create their own tax structure so people on high incomes typically use them because um, they can hold some investments inside of them and they kind of pay their own tax and it's all administered there are fees and things to consider which is why we say get advice on these things but um, they're going to become as drew said more popular because of the the, the changes that are always happening to superannuation, yeah, which I'm, is a question on that too, which mm, will be a good one. I mean, if people are really interested in this topic, um, send us a message and let us know and we could talk we'll to someone, someone from one of these companies and get actually in. That'd be super keen. a deep yeah, dive yeah. into investment bonds because we haven't done that as a standalone episode. Yeah. yeah. And we've got, I think every week we see a question on it, Yeah, whether it's oh, on then, AIP or yeah. AFP for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, definitely something I can look into. All right. The next question from hashtag are we there yet is about dollar cost averaging versus lump sum mm. investing. So here's a question. Hi, guys. Big fan and listen to the podcast via YouTube and listener. So the question is about dollar cost averaging and brokerage fees. While it might be better to invest gradually, every time I do that, I'm going to pay a brokerage fee yep. because there's more transactions. So how should I approach this? Yeah, there's actually uh, some calculators online. So I think there was one from Perla, sponsor of the show, but there's also one online somewhere. It's made by an engineer, I guess, somewhere. Um, and in effect, the only way to wrap maths around this is to have an assumed rate of return. Uh, so you might say it's like 6 or 8% a year or something like that. Uh, and then to input how much you save and then also to input what your brokerage cost is. And basically, if you pay about ten bucks a month, uh, sorry, ten bucks per trade, so to buy an ETF, it effectively works out that you want to invest fifteen hundred dollars or more. So you want to save up to that amount. Uh, but if you use a brokerage that has less or lower fees, you know, like one of those ones that don't have a hin, they might be like three or four or five dollars. 
then obviously the, the minimum amount that you should invest reduces. But at the end of the day, the only reason we say this is because typically over the long run, the stock market goes up. And the longer you take to invest some money, the less time it has to compound to Drew's point earlier on. But if you only invest 500 bucks and it costs you 20 bucks to invest, not that it would, but if it did, that's a substantial portion. Fees are incredibly important. Yeah. When you're looking at long-term returns, like the lower you get your fees, whether that's brokerage or ongoing fees, the better. Yeah. Uh, I, I was searching for hours last night trying to find a white paper that said the the most efficient uh, regularity of dollar cost averaging. Couldn't find one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did you either of you have, have you had any experience? Is it monthly, quarterly, six monthly? Well, there is that calculator that we've shared with our community before, but I think just building that habit is almost more important at the beginning. You might be paying a little bit more in brokerage, but the brokerage is really coming down in a lot of places. Yeah. And so basically it comes back to your savings habits, mm. I think. Like I don't think maybe unless I had like a re- what we call a research stake, which is where you put like f- the minimum in like 500 bucks, which is like your then ticket getting, to the really, dance. Yeah, yeah. So then it makes you research Less a company or a yeah. stock or an ETF. Um, I, it's typically in the thousands of dollars. But there's yeah. micro-investing as well for people that have smaller balances like Ray's, uh, Perla. I can't think of any others off the top of my head. Uh, Sharesies might offer something like where it's only fractional type yeah. investing. Um, so, I mean, the message should be just get invested. Yeah. I think the key with dollar cost averaging isn't necessarily the regularity, but the removing of emotion from one, automating yeah. the savings part, but also automating your reaction when the market falls. So it's yeah. when the market falls, make sure you're not stopping your dollar cost averaging. That's the whole benefit of it is buying then, but also buying when it's increasing. Mm. And if you haven't mm. automated that, it's quite hard to keep investing on a regular basis if you are seeing your yeah. portfolio fall in value, which is often the best time to keep investing. That was every white paper I read last night. Was <laughs> what, you had quite a time invest. last night. <laughs> just I, you just get into rabbit hole sometimes. <laughs> when you... Kids to bed, white papers on. Exactly. Had a cup of coffee and, and go into it. Maybe <laughs> the coffee at, at 10 o'clock coffee didn't help. Uh, but there's heaps of white papers on it. And a lot of the time it is very much focused on the emotional and psych, you know, the psychological part of investing rather than the sheer financial benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and that's what we say, just keep invested. Yeah. Yeah. Automate Small it bits, if you lots can. of times. Yep. And cool. don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. There's got to be a song about that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, so the next question comes from Fallen Hair. Now, this is a good question um, because there's a few elements wrapped up into one, I thought, Kate. Yeah. Um, it says, hey, guys, thank you for the e- for the educating and entertaining podcast. Appreciate the, w- the work you put in. I have a burning question which is driving me crazy, making me lose my hair. My son is 17, turning 18 this August. Happy birthday to your son. Number one, I am intending to gift him either VAS, which is the Vanguard Australian shares, or VAP, which is the Vanguard Property Securities ETFs, in the value of approximately 10K. Number two, I've been researching the best way to do it and now have two options. A, uh, buy them via your regular stock trading platform, which charges a fee for every purchase, i.e. brokerage, or... B, uh, buy directly through Vanguard. I have tried comprehending the charges involved by Vanguard, but I'm having trouble 
uh, having a hard time understanding their fees. My intention is to make him chip in fortnightly slash weekly based on his pay date and approximately $200 a fortnight as time is his best friend now for compounding. Finally, or do you think just forgetting all of this and chipping in the 10K to his super and then making him salary sacrifice another 12.5% uh, of his income, making the total contribution 25% of his salary would be a better idea? Thank you again for striving to educate us. Thank you, Fallen Hair. Who wants yeah. to go first? I feel like forcing a child to salary sacrifice might be oh, a difficult. That was, that was one of my notes. <laughs> that was, yeah. Sorry, I first stole that. Uh, an 18-year-old to salary sacrifice more of their income, I think that's going to be a bit of a struggle. But the idea of getting started compounding is incredibly powerful and you know, starting that lesson is key. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would focus on the education piece probably before giving the gift, do you think? Because yeah. otherwise, if I was given $10,000 when I was 18, it would be burning a hole in my pocket and I'd probably figure out how to sell it. it. Do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Maybe focusing on the education piece first and talking through what investments are, maybe sharing some resources, talking through what the Australian share market is. So when you do gift an ETF, they actually know what that is and why that's valuable to keep it invested and hold on to it over a long period of time. And mm. be clear on the purpose was one of the notes I had. Are you giving it to them to buy mm. a car, to buy a house? just to compound forever. Yeah. Like they will try and sell it at some point. So <laughs> try to be clear at the time. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of gifts often come with strings attached. So maybe explaining, yeah, what yeah. it is for. I think the intention's right. You know, the intention yeah. is I want to help my son out um, when he turns 18. And then the intention after that is to encourage them to regularly invest. Um, yeah, I would... The, the, one of the things, if you read one of the barefoot uh, books like for kids or any of these kind of literature around this, it's that they have to earn it. Um, and so if they earn what is given to them, um, they have an appreciation for what money is. Because if you just hand them, hand it to them, it may it's easy come, easy go, right? So I would say if you're confused by the Vanguard fees, get them to interpret it for you. Get them to sit down with you and go through it and figure it out together. That's a very subtle way for them to earn it. And be interested in it. Yeah. And uh, maybe they call up the Vanguard personal investor team and actually yeah, you could talk on the phone together and get an understanding. They should be able to talk you through the fees and costs, how the platform works. They'll be able to give you a factual overview of the different products and how management fees are taken out. And that could be a really good learning experience to do together. Yeah. Well, that's what's something that we spoke about at the ASA event. And it's a good point to bring up, Kate, which is a lot of people when they think, and I know you come across this a lot, Drew, is... Um, a lot of people, when they think about the next generation, i.e. their kids or grandkids, they immediately jump to, well, do I need like a trust? Do I need, how do I send my super if I die? Do I need to speak to a lawyer, et cetera? No, actually, the, the most important thing is actually to educate them, like the next generation. Share knowledge. Share yep. the knowledge. <clears throat> so they don't make the same mistakes that you might have made or they know how to protect what you're giving them. Yeah. yeah exactly. So- that's probably just as powerful as any, if not more. And to do that, you also need to make sure it's relevant to them. So how do you how do you have an investment if you're going to use investments that they can connect with? You know, the old days of giving BHP and Telstra shares to your children, I just say that's kind of gone because your kids don't really want, even though I recommended Telstra here last year, 12-month <laughs> high. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's hard for people to connect with Telstra, young yeah. people, hard for young people to connect with BHP. So how do you find investments that are, they're more likely to connect with, I think is incredibly important. Yeah. And there's so many options now to do that. And yeah. helping them figure out what 
their goals might be. Maybe it's going to Europe during uni or buying yep. a car and because then that gives them a reason because if they're going to put money aside when they get paid for investing, they've probably got some other savings goals and things they want to do with that money as well. So even stepping back and going, okay, how we maybe you've got a part-time job looking at budgeting and where the money's going and helping them figure out, oh, well, like maybe they're moving out of home and figuring out how to pay the bills and prioritize all of their spending and then putting some money aside for short-term goals. And maybe there is a little bit left over and we can go, okay, this could be put aside for long-term investing and building wealth over the next 50 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just comes back to that. I think this person's got all the right intentions with their children. I just, the execution may be something that needs a bit of work here. And in particular, I think that to, the idea of salary sacrificing into uh, super at the age of 18 for me is actually, I think that's riskier than anything else. Because I think if you, if you are encouraging them to say, hey, put all this money into super and you'll get it when uh, 65, 75, 80, who knows by the time there, like we really don't know. You yeah. just mentioned all the, the risks that are happening to super right Anything now. Anything could happen in the next 42 years. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, yeah. And uh, young people just, often want to have more touch and feel over control. their money. They, they want, want they yeah. want control. They They're want to see how right? it's working towards their goals and they're getting on their feet, maybe moving out of home for the first time. So I think maybe keeping things a little bit more liquid in that that respect. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. But and, uh, it's awesome to work through this together and it's not going to happen overnight. It might be a few years that you work on this together and build those skills. I mean, I'm, I still ask my parents questions about my finances. A few years ago, we called my health insurance, well, called the health insurance provider together and they helped ask some of the questions on the phone because they thought of things that I wouldn't have thought of. I wouldn't have thought of all the things that I might want cover for or the questions I should ask the health insurance provider or things like what are the different waiting periods and having them to go through that phone call was a really helpful tool. And But mm. I came to them and kind of asked for that as well. Mm, we've talked about this on the show before, but one thing that I do with my sister, which, is, which would be perfect for this person because it weaves through our points here, is uh, find five or six brands that your son is interested in. So if they're into sports, maybe it's Nike or whatever. Apple. Yeah, Apple. Maybe if they're into video games, it's like what's it, Roblox or maybe it's like Nvidia. Activision, That's NVIDIA, whatever. Whatever they're interested in, find five companies or maybe not so much ETFs because they're a bit distant, but find five companies that they're interested in Take it and get them to say, hey, I'm looking at making this investment. You don't need to tell them it's their money. Which of these five companies, I've been presented with these five companies, which of them do you think would be the best? And, and you can tell by just tell, looking around the house. You'll yeah. see what they like. Yeah. just And then get them. That's the way to get them into the conversation. You'd be like, oh, but this share price is down. And just play dumb and let them talk to you. And it's just a way for them to learn what you're actually doing. Yeah. It's not so. just numbers on a screen. Connect at their level, find ways you can work on the finance and investing piece together and help them achieve the goals that they want to work towards. Yeah. And yeah, it, it will take more than overnight, but I think this is a fantastic journey to go on together and you can that money's sitting there when you're ready and yeah. when you think they're ready to receive it. Yeah, another way is um, if they're a competitive person, you could say, if you pick one of these companies, we'll put $1,000 in it and if your company beats my company in a year, even that's pretty short, or six months or whatever, then you can have the money. Um, and it's just it's just to try them to get Gamify. them to buy, yeah, to, to buy into what it is that you're trying to get feed them. Yeah. But if you say you're doing this, it's probably not going to Here's your Telstra shares. Yeah. <laughs> Unless 
<laughs> anyway. Yeah. Getting people on board and working towards the goals that they want to work towards is a good approach. Absolutely. But awesome thinking about your own son's financial future. I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. The next question is from Debt Free Medic about what happens in life after HEX, our higher education loan. Yes. I am still growing mine. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Question is, I've paid off my HEX deck to avoid the HEX the hefty, I was going to say hexy, um, the hefty indexation, and now I'm officially debt-free. Yay. Since I have no debt, what is a potential next step to consider to reward myself in the future? Should I think about investing, buying property, saving more? That's a good question. I've got the perfect answer. Go you for do? it. it oh. <laughs> Go for it. It depends, okay. like it does for anyone. I know that uh, I'm, I'm married to a doctor, so I know a lot of doctors. And historically, as soon as your hex debt's paid off, doctors are kind of suggested to go and borrow money, invest in property. And for the last 25 years, it worked incredibly well. But it does very much depend on what your objectives are and what you're seeking to do over the next 5, 10, 15 years. So do you want to buy a house? Do you have a house would be the first question. Do you want to buy a house? uh, Are you likely to move regularly? do you want to travel? What does your future look like? You know, medicine is incredibly expensive to to study anything in medicine. You're going to have exams that cost hundreds, thousands, and thousands of dollars in the coming years too. So, uh, at first, is define your objectives and what you intend to do. Uh, at the very least, you just want to be putting it into some government guaranteed cash <laughs> and get that four or five percent interest, uh, and then make decisions from there. But you, you're correct; it's by invest, whether that's property or shares. Uh, assume you don't you don't have any other debts. So there's no other debt to pay off, and then maybe it's saving for the boat or saving for the farm, <laughs> <laughs> or a forest, yeah. or a forest. Yeah, yeah. But I think even just stepping back, taking a moment to go, hey, I've paid off this big thing. You've probably been working to pay off a medical hex debt. You've probably been working on this goal for a while, so it's a great moment to reflect and think about everything you've learnt during that process and maybe you go out for dinner with your friends and family just to celebrate <laughs> because it's good to recognise those milestones and I think paying off debt, whatever kind of debt, is a really good milestone to acknowledge. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's good on you, really. Uh, I think people listening to this might be saying, well, should I pay off my hex? Because um, we've been hearing that a lot in the media lately about... Like, there's been a lot of outrage on uh, some channels where people are like, oh, you know, indexation, it's going up so fast, went up 6%, 7%, whatever. I've got a lot of hex too, and I'm probably about to rack some more up. So, And I don't care, to be honest, because um, I still think it's the cheapest form of uh, loan that you'll get anywhere. Over the long term. And how wonderful it is that we're in a country that allows us to do this. Um, so I think for anyone, I think doesn't really matter who you are. Maybe if you're a med, med, in this case, they say medic, it could mean medicine, it could mean paramedic, it could mean a few things. But um, if you're going to earn more, you should be able to do what a lot of people suggest, which be your minimum 10% super, which your employer will pay. If you're self-employed, do it yourself, just be paid in. Uh, But then you should invest some on top of that. Um, Maybe 20% of your income is a rule of thumb. And then go and Live your life according to your values, really. Yeah. I'd say that's probably the most simple thing. It's like, probably a good time to just sit back and go, well, what do I want to work towards? What What yeah. are my goals? Do I want to go over to Europe for yeah. a year or two and work overseas? Um, is property something I want? Is there another short-term goal I want to work towards? Or is there a long-term goal mm. I want to work towards? So just 
I guess now that you've got a bit more cash flow, you've got money to direct towards one or two goals. Yeah, yeah. one of the main reasons people paid off their help debt was because they wanted more lending capacity because yep. that was that's probably the biggest impact when you have a help, a help debt is that your lending capacity from a bank is reduced yep. because of that reduction in your pay. Yep. So that seems to be why a lot of people have did it, have, have done it and brought it forward when they could just keep it on yep. average at 3 3% yep. per annum or thereabouts. Yeah, that's it because the the banks look at it now and they look at uh, your they look at your hex, your credit cards, all that stuff. Uh, buy now, pay later. So a lot of people do pay those off before they go f- for their, their loan. Um, so my comment about you know have, not really caring about it, it's more so I don't really need to worry about that, but in certain circumstances you would. Um, I would say one of the great things about this person's situation, we can't give personal advice, we have no idea who you are, um, but one of the great things about the situation is they've developed the habit of saving, mm. which can be easily ported to investing. So if you're regularly paying off your hex, we'll just take the money. If you want to keep that habit, it's a great habit to have, then start investing. And you have already flexed that muscle so many times, it's automatic, whereas so many people never get to that. So that's a great a great thing to have. This could be the old short-term, long-term, a short-term, medium-term, long-term goal, isn't it? So yeah. rebuild your buffer if you've paid it, if you've you know, pushed your emergency buffer down to pay it off, rebuild that, then put your long-term objectives there. Is it deposit on a house? Is it travel? Cool. Like it. Good question. Mm. Great. One debt-free medic. (laughs) Good things to think about. Uh, The next question is, what happens to my super if I die and don't have a will? So I'm just jumping across to Mali, who's a wills and estates lawyer at Nest Legal, to help us with this question. Yeah, great question. So super is an asset that sits outside of your estate, so separate from property, cash, shares, cars, all of that, unless you bring it in. And what that means is that you've done a nomination on your superannuation account. So if you take the will out of it completely, you can do a binding nomination or a non-binding nomination on your super without having done a will. It's something that I tell all of my friends to do at the very, very minimum. Even if they don't have property, they don't have kids, if you've got super, definitely sort that out. So a few different types of nominations you can do. A binding nomination means that the trustee, so whoever is the the top dog at the super company, whichever super company, if if you do a binding nomination, they are bound by that decision. They have to follow whatever you've put on that form as long as it's considered to be a valid nomination. And we'll go into a bit more about that in a second. You can do a non-binding nomination, which means that it's persuasive and the trustee of the super fund may follow it, but they still have some discretion, okay? The other option is to do no nomination at all. If that's the circumstance and you haven't done a nomination, what the trustee of your super fund will do is a bit of a fact-finding exercise. They will firstly look to see if you've got a partner who's dependent on you, whether that's de facto or or a, a spouse. Um, they'll look to see if you've got children. It will depend on the ages of the children as well with any tax consequences. Um, they'll look for parents, siblings, the whole sort of down the family tree until they find the best person to pay your super to. Now, with super, there are beneficiaries who are um, considered beneficiaries for tax purposes, um, like a spouse or a minor child, but then there's also beneficiaries who will have to pay tax on it. I'm not going to get into the tax. That's not my area of expertise. With that in mind, 
if you want your super to go to someone who isn't a dependent for tax purposes, like a spouse or a, or a child, then what you should do is leave your super to your estate. And then it forms part of the asset pool with everything else that you own and goes as per your will if you've got one and if you don't have one through the laws of intestacy, um, which again goes through your family tree to find who your most senior next of kin is. Um, you see lots of people who say wouldn't want their parents to receive their, their assets. Maybe they would prefer it to go to a sibling. Um, so in that instance, you should definitely have a will because your parents, if you don't have a spouse or children, are your senior next of kin. Who's considered a dependent for a binding death nomination form for your super fund? Yeah, so it depends. Um, you've got dependents for tax purposes. So that would be a spouse, um, including a de facto partner, uh, children, as long as they're under 18 or under 25 living at home and studying. Okay, otherwise they're considered adult children and they'll have to pay tax. Um, and you've also got interdependent relationships as well. And people who are interdependent may live together and provide financial support to one another, but they sit outside of that dependent term. So it might be a sibling or a parent or something like that. Um, it's usually pretty difficult to get around that one. So my recommendation is have a will and specify who you want your super to go to. What happens if you nominate someone because maybe you don't know all of this stuff that isn't doesn't fall under that dependent banner in the binding death nomination form? Yeah, that's a great question. So what will happen in that instance is the super fund, the trustee of the super fund, will find that nomination to be invalid. And then they will go through the same fact-finding exercise, try to find the best person to pay it to. And if there isn't a dependent, then it will go to your estate. Uh, there was a case a few years ago where a young girl had nominated her mum, which was, yeah, not a valid nomination. And so everything went to her partner who she was living with. So um, those weren't her wishes. She wanted her super to go to her mum, but there was nothing that could be done in that in that case. To summarise everything we've just talked about, if someone doesn't want to get into that situation where they die and they don't have a will and it gets a little bit confusing about their superannuation, what should they do? Okay, so jump onto the website for your super fund, download their latest binding death benefit nomination form and either leave it to a dependent if you've got one or your estate and then it will flow through as per your will. And I say that if you've got superannuation, you should have a will, right? It's it's an asset. And if you don't have dependents, it's coming into your estate anyway. So it's better to make sure it goes to where you want it to go. Wonderful. Thanks, Marley. Thanks. Drew, do you have a binding death nomination for your super fund? Yes, I do. So the important thing uh, to remember with superannuation is that it is not an estate asset. So it doesn't automatically get paid to your will or your estate, which Marley explained so perfectly. Uh, so it is important that you have a binding nomination, whether that goes to a partner, child, or directly to your estate. In my case, directly to my estate. Not your partner. No, she's a <laughs> she's a beneficiary of the estate as well. Uh, okay, yeah. so more tax tax effective. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, have you if updated I'm not mistaken, yours as well? If I'm not mistaken, they expire, right? Binding definite benefit. Well, there's lapsing and non-lapsing depending on what sort of super fund you have. Yeah. Yep. Um, you can fill them out by your superannuation fund and speak to your lawyer. Uh, yeah, so I haven't updated mine, um, but we have mirror wills. Uh, 
partner and I, and uh, I filled out the binding nomination quite a few years ago because I don't like the idea of a super fund being able to uh, direct and tie things up. So also just consider your insurance. Yeah, yeah. but it's a, it's a good reminder to check if you have set up this. Yeah. Talk to your super fund, talk to your advisor, yeah. talk to your lawyer, and uh, make sure you just have a look at it. Yeah, good one. All right. Well, we've covered a lot in today's episode. Yes, we have. We've uh, we've covered everything from super and wheels, hex, Vanguard, and what to teach your kids, um, and even being getting some feedback, some corrections to previous Q and A's, which is great. We love to hear from you. So send us those in. Um, a lot of good questions here that apply to everyone, whether you're new or experienced. But um, we do really appreciate your questions. As Kate said, even if we don't get to them in the Q and A's. Uh, we do we do receive them. Uh, Drew and I answer them every week on the Investors Podcast, mm. but um, we receive a lot these days and we really appreciate that. Yeah, and if we see common themes, we try and find a guest or an episode to fill that gap yeah. as well. Uh, we probably should remind people about the Rask Roadshow coming up, Owen. Yes, well, you did mention Taylor Swift tickets earlier on. Mm. So These are a bit more Tay-Tay and Rask launch tickets <laughs> on the same day. Wasn't to know. You tick- shut down Ticketek. Yeah, Ticketek. Um, we... T- well, Ticket Tech refused to work with us because we were so big, so they went with Taylor instead. Uh, yeah, but that's okay. I, I see how that happened. But we are going around Australia, uh, if I'm not mistaken, to Rogan, Wangaratta, uh, Sydney, uh, Brisbane, Brisbane, um, Gold Coast, Newey. Yep, Port Macquarie. Got, got good dolphin fish there. I'll be up there. Don't you worry about that, Kate. Uh, we're going to Townsville. Furthest north we've ever been with an event. That'll be so much fun uh, in the main stretch there. It was going to be at Flinders Lane for those of you in uh, Townsville, not the Flinders Lane where we're recording right now. I know there are two. Um, It's a great little precinct there, but we've moved the venue. Uh, In Adelaide and Perth, you guys are up first. So if you are listening to this and you are uh, in the community over, maybe you're in Margaret River and you think, I'll go up to the big smoke, no worries. (laughs) Or maybe you're thinking... You know, you're in the Barossa, you're sucking down some wines. Get into the city and uh, come you're and really say good day. You're really selling this, Owen. Yeah, it's 40 bucks. And by the way, that does include an hour of drinks and some bites. So yeah. heaps of giveaways. You're definitely enticing people to come and see you. Yeah. Oh, might be a Shiraz there too. So if you are coming down from the hills, you can have one of those too. Uh, but we're all going to be there. It's yeah. going to be heaps of fun. There Looking will definitely be it. people giveaways. that aren't Owen speaking as well. So you get to learn from our... <laughs> Property experts, our business podcast experts, Drew. Uh, some financial advisors. <laughs> You'll get a um, retirement advice, interest rate prediction from Andrew Derrimuth. Dr. Andrew Derrimuth is coming along. Am I rotating? Yeah. Yeah. We do have a theme song, Kate. It has been chosen. It is not Cardi B. Don't worry about that. <laughs> have you paid the rights to use this music? Oh, have we of ever? Of course. Um, and that's about it. It's going to be heaps of fun. Yeah. It's going to so- be like this at night. <laughs> Which is going to be good. Yeah, and I'll stop these guys from getting too out of hand. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's Q&A episode. Hope you got something from it. Remember to send your questions in via the link in the podcast player. And Drew and Owen, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks. Good to see you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? 
Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.